Oh, hey guys. Uh, my name is David. Hello, I'm Karis. And welcome to Kingdom Minds. So Karis has mm. finally finished Kingdom Hearts 3 <laughs> after being out for almost a year. <laughs> yeah. So I have a really good reason for this. Um, <laughs> and it's so weird that I'm like, let's do a Kingdom Hearts podcast and I've not finished the latest game. Um, but in my defense, so it used to be the thing that me and my brother would do together. We would play it. It was like our bonding thing. And before last year, he wasn't super busy because he finished school and I was working part time. So we had all the time in the world to play Kingdom Hearts. And then at the start of this year, he started working like full time, uh, Monday to Friday. And then on the weekends, he was so tired and we just didn't have time to play it together. And so it kind of just fell by the wayside. And then eventually I was like, right, we're doing a podcast. I need to finish it. So the last couple weeks, I've been intensely um, playing it like nonstop. And I finally finished it yesterday, although I still haven't seen the secret ending. But I will watch that when I can. But yeah, that's been my Kingdom Hearts 3 journey. <laughs> it's taken me so long. I can't believe how long it's taken me, but it's done. Well, that's cool that you wanted to, you know, keep playing it with your brother. That's uh, kind of a cool family bonding moment. Yeah, I, I don't think he cared that much as much as I did. I think he did to begin with because last year in preparation for Kingdom Hearts 3 coming out, we played um, Kingdom Hearts 1 and then 2 and then we played Birth by sleep as well so we did all that and then like at some point he just kind of stopped caring and so mm. then i was like well there's nothing stopping me from finishing it so <laughs> i did it yay my sister and i used to play like games like that together a lot but uh as we got older it became a lot harder to coordinate so i ended up mm. just playing on my own and then she doesn't have a ps4 but she watched the cutscenes on her own so she kind of yeah she got caught up. Uh, I just realized, I think I called you Kara earlier. Oh, no. I don't know why I said that. Oh, well. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Which is ironic because, well, it's weird because your your name is literally like right in front of me right now. <laughs> <laughs> so funny story. <laughs> my, uh, my ex, we met online and we knew each other for five years before we started dating and he didn't know how to pronounce my name in that entire time. So, so that's hilarious. Anyway, <laughs> moving Wait, so on. What did he say? I, I don't. I wouldn't know. How he thought he thought my name was Carice. Carice. Hmm. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, so my thoughts yes. on the game. Yeah, I want to get into my thoughts since I've just finished it and it's fresh in my mind. So the like final boss fighting Zador, I think I maybe died once. I think I did it once and then I on my second try, like I beat him. It was a lot easier than I was expecting, which was really strange. I was expecting it to be really hard. I don't even I think I was even under leveled. I think I was only level forty and I think it said you had to be level forty two. So that's crazy. But I guess I was playing standard version, but I think in the previous two games, standard version was harder than this one. So I want to try it on a higher difficulty and see how I go. Yeah, but yeah. 
I didn't play standard version this time, but it seems like that makes sense. I played standard before, and this time I remember standard being pretty easy, so I decided to start this one on hard. Um, yeah. And Xehanort was decently hard on proud mode, um, but only because even on proud mode, the game was actually so easy that I was able to get by without really playing it right. Like, I never used block. So <laughs> Me I, neither. I totally, and I never used lock on either. So I totally forgot that those things were like a thing. Uh, oh, because I, I, never, I, I never needed it. And so by the time I got to Xehanort, I was like, oh, I actually need to use this now. <laughs> so when I used it, it was fine. But uh, when I was trying to just power through without using block or without using lock on, um, it was uh, particular. It was kind of difficult. <laughs> yeah, I um I use lock on all the time, which actually hindered me when I was saving um Kyrie and everyone else when they're like. That's a wrong bit. What am I talking about? Oh, when I'm like fighting the organization 13 members in the labyrinth or whatever, when you have to fight like their names escape me. But um, the one with, yeah. with the ponytails, the girl, the blonde girl, and then the other guy with the pink hair. Um, <laughs> yeah, Loxine and Marlisha. Yes. I do know their names. I just couldn't bring them to mind. But like I, I kept like locking on one of them and then it that didn't work for me because the other person was attacking me as well. So but generally yeah. I use it a lot. Um I, I meant to say uh sorry, I don't know why I said lock on. I meant to say shot lock. It's very similar. Oh okay, right. Shot lock. Yeah. I forgot it was a thing for like 80% of the game so the ps4 is in my brother's room so he was like watching me play it like a couple days ago and so i was playing it and he was like you know you can use that shot luck thing and then you can just like ko these guys and i was like oh i forgot that existed and then when i did i was like oh my goodness <laughs> this is an overpowered move what is going on um but yeah, yeah. it was hard to use that against Xehanort because he was like zipping around all over the place but yeah overall that was that was interesting like i was under leveled and i beat it so there you go but my my play style is i barely use magic except cura i pretty much button bash and like melee my way through so my brother he likes to use the magic stuff so he'll use like the frozen keyblade the enchanted one or whatever um that's got like higher magic and then my favorite one to use was the Pirates one, the really powerful strength one, and then I would yeah, just like, I would just melee everybody. So, I really yeah. enjoyed the um, the like forms for that one, the flag and the high wind. They were really good. Yeah, I like the the range on that one. It's a good good melee range. Yeah, solid keyblade. Um, tell me about your play style. I, I do tend to melee more, but uh, I usually I use thunder a lot. Yeah, I think that was pretty much the only magic I used uh, throughout the whole game because uh, again I like I like the range. Cause mm. like every, everything I might I might have used water like once or fire oh. like a couple times. <laughs> yeah. I liked those, but I kept like forgetting about them, and then all of a sudden I was like, oh no, I need to cure. So then I would just stop. Because all my MP would go down. What about the like 
carnival rides that you can use that oh, yeah, pop the, up. Uh, what do you think of those? <laughs> it was like, it was kind of cool, but it was also like way overpowered. Yes. Here so often. And there's no explanation as to why Sora suddenly has the ability to summon Disney rides. I was yes. like, <laughs> and, and I'm I'm sure they'll come up with an explanation at some point. But like, this is a game where every single bit of every mechanic is has some sort of lore explanation. Mm. And just all of a sudden, Sora summons Disney rides with no explanation as to how he does so. <laughs> It's so strange. Like all of a sudden, there's a flipping merry-go-round, and it's a a rhythm game as well. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Um, the first time that happened, I was like, "What is going on? What is this? Why?" I don't know. Like I enjoyed it. It was fun, but also they were really annoying because I don't know if if I just didn't know, but like if I wanted to use like high wind or something, and then all of a sudden the merry-go-round thing would pop up like there doesn't seem to wait to is, is there a way to skip that so you could go straight uh, to high wind if you use the d-pad you can pick which one you want like it is a little bit difficult like mm. it might just pop up and you thought you were going to use high wind but all of a sudden the the attraction flow showed up You're like oh whoops <laughs> yeah this is becoming a teach carriers how to play kingdom hearts podcast because i don't know what i'm doing but here I am. I never claim to be an expert. I'm simply a fan. But no, what else? So we talked about playstyle. Okay, so the whole like gummy phone situation and like the loading screens that are like Instagram's stories. Oh yeah, yeah. What do you think of all that stuff? Uh, it was it was interesting. Like if they had the technology to build a, a gummy ship that can travel between worlds, they should. I guess be able to build a a smartphone to go with it. <laughs> yeah, it just it's funny to me because technology has never like apart from the gummy ships, it's not really existed in the Kingdom Hearts world. And then all of a sudden, everyone has a phone. <laughs> but I don't know. Well, I think like it depends it, on which world. Like some worlds have it, and some worlds don't. It's like technologically ambiguous. So like. The Disney worlds, like the, I mean, not Disney worlds, the Disney castle seems to have access to a lot of technology. And then Twilight Town te- seems to be kind of like modern modern era. Mm-hmm. And then Hollow Bastion or Radiant Garden seems to have some like ambiguous level of technology. Like they've got like the, the computer room and they've got the Tron world there. Uh, they got the Hollow Bastion security system, but then like other worlds, like Destiny Islands, are a little bit vaguer. In Kingdom Hearts too, we see that they like they actually do like go to school because Kairi's in her school uniform. Yes, uh, with selfie. That's right. So like, there's some sense of modernity there. Mm. Not, it's not quite clear like what kind of technology they have access to. It doesn't seem like they quite have access to all the modern stuff in Destiny Islands. Because like Sora is like clueless as to how to use a smartphone, and he's like, yes, <laughs> doesn't, know, doesn't know how to use computers. So it's kind of like a convenient technology. Like whatever we need it to be, we'll find an excuse to use it. But if we don't want technology, then we don't have to. 
Yeah. I mean, it was kind of fun being able to take selfies in-game and, you know, all that stuff. Like, taking the photos of the lucky emblems and the photo missions and everything. But it did also seem, like, jarring to me in a weird way. A little bit, yeah. Like, just why is this a thing? (laughs) Um, And I suppose the whole thing about Sora you know, being clueless about technology and that's like a, a thing in the in Kingdom Hearts 2 as well. I mean he's like talking to the Tron people and all that and he's like doesn't have a clue what's going on um in terms of computer programming and all of that kind of stuff. It's all just foreign to him. And then all of a sudden he's like taking selfies and posting on Instagram. Um I don't know. It just seems a little bit out of character. But also, I appreciate the, like, in-game references on the posts, like, hashtag thank Namine and those things. Like, that, oh, that, yeah, was yeah. A, that was a fun, like, detail that they included. So, I don't know. I, I've mixed feelings about it. I don't know if you've seen online people's, like, playthroughs where they're, like, battling some of the bosses and stuff. And they're, <laughs> they're, they're using, like, the, the photo... The photo app on the phone on the on the gummy phone to like kind of like brag on like how good they are because they like they'll be like find the boss and they'll stop to take a photo while they're fighting it. <laughs> That's and excellent. And like people have done it like when they're exploiting glitches, like not even like exploiting glitches, like they're just glitches that are there. Like there's one, I think it was the Loxine Marluxia fight. Oh I right. That, or or maybe it was a Sykes fight, but it was one of those boss fights. Were like he was literally just standing there, didn't do anything to trigger any sort of glitch, and the bosses are just in the background, like stuck in a loop, and they're like they're just like looping back and forth, and Sora's just standing there, like doesn't have to do anything, and he just pulls out the guy button and starts taking selfies, and like <laughs> watching him, like stuck in this loop behind him. That's excellent. I've not seen this. I need to watch. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But, like, one of the photo missions was take a photo of a demon tower, and I tried, and it wouldn't work. Oh. Like, I, I would go back to the Moogle, it'd be like, no, you've not done it. And I was like, yes, I have. But, I don't know. But I, I haven't done the photo missions. No, I never, haven't. I never went back to do those. I kept forgetting they were a thing. And then when I went into, like, synthesized stuff, I, like, mm-hmm. didn't have enough materials. And then I was like, oh, I have to go and back and do these freaking photo missions um <laughs> i did like one and then i was like yeah no forget it so i'll i'll do them all at some point i'm sure but not today zerg last time i was playing was several months ago i was trying to get the ultimate weapon but i got really annoyed because you have to do all the there's one material you have to get where you have to do i think it's the ori calcum plus like there's one that you have to get because there's only a seven in the game you have to have all seven to get the ultimate weapon and you have to do all the mini games with the flan, heartless. Oh. Um, and there's some of them are like super annoying, and I just kind of gave up <laughs> and just stopped playing. Fair. Also, the um the games on the gummy phone, I didn't do one of those. Like I have no idea what they're like. I just for completely forgot about them. Like every time I opened a big chest, and I'd be like oh, you got a gummy phone game? I'd be like, nope, I'm never going to check that out. 
Yeah, there's just so did, much. Did you play any of those? <laughs> no, I, I didn't. I, I might have played a few of them a few times, but yeah. no, I didn't really play them. I was just um, like, no, I really couldn't care less. <laughs> yeah, so. it, it was interesting. It's you know, it was a throwback to those old like I forget what the, those what are they called? Are they like LED games, something like that? Maybe I don't know. <laughs> but there, there were games that were like that that came out. Like when I was a kid, um, mm-hmm. I had like a Lion King game like that. And I remember I got stuck on one part. I got so frustrated that I just like, like I was at my grandparents' house with my cousin. They had a lake. Their their house was by like a little pond, like a little lake. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm done with this. And I like threw the game into the lake. <laughs> cause I was oh, wow. Frustrated with it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I get um kids coming into my work all the time being like oh i need a new controller and i was like oh what happened to your old ones like oh, i threw it at the tv or something and <laughs> or, or or like parents coming in and yeah but we still sell them for like a lot of money like ps4 controllers to sell for like 40 pounds so i'm like sheesh this is wheel granny that came in being like oh i need a new controller for my grandson and she just bought back his xbox that his cousin like stole and sold it so she's like oh i need to buy it back at full price and it was sad. And then she bought him a new controller because he broke his own. I was just like, lady, stop replacing his stuff. Like, it's his fault. If he breaks his controller, don't buy him another one, okay? <laughs> uh, anyway, back to Kingdom Hearts 3. Is there any more spoilers you want to talk about in terms of the story, I'm thinking? Um, oh, man, there's so much. There's so oh. much. What was, like, your favorite moment? Um, it's hard to pick one. I think It'd be a toss-up between three moments when Aqua is finally rescued and she's on Destiny Islands and she's like, oh, when the Destiny Islands fall in darkness and they're like, no, you're, you're in the realm of light. Oh, and like, the fields. She's like looking up and crying and like Riku reaches out his hand to her, which is a throwback to the opening of the first game where he's reaching out his hand to Sora. They did that a couple times. They did that in the ending too. Now, I, I might be getting it wrong. It might have been Sora that reached out his hand to her. But uh, I did like that throwback at the very end uh, in the ending where Riku reached out his hand to Namine, uh, which was a, a callback to the first game of him reaching out his hand to Sora, which has shown how much Riku has grown as a character. Like, yes. Same action, but a totally different meaning. For sure. It's like, it's him kind of calling Sora into darkness, kind of. And then here it's like calling Nominate to the light. So it's like a totally, you know, his character has developed quite a lot over the course of the series. Yeah, he's Um, basically come full circle. Yeah. It's pretty much like a Phil, like Darth Vader to like Anakin thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's a lot of like, kind of Star Wars vibes in a yes. Kingdom Hearts. But yeah, I like that scene with Aqua. The reunion of the Sea Salt trio um, mm. definitely definitely got me a little bit. And also the reunion of uh, Aqua and Ben. I thought that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was um, sweet. We've been waiting so long for that. All of those moments were, were really beautiful. I really enjoyed the Sea Salt trio together again like when Roxas appears I'm like oh dang <laughs> here we go boys I was so hype about that 
but also Shion. I was just like really excited whenever she showed up. When they're all like together hanging out and Yen Sid is like telling them all what's going on. That's really funny whenever Axel is like, well, where do I fit in? And like, who are all these people? Yeah. <laughs> He's just like the one that um, that says what everyone else is thinking. Like he is yeah, like the yeah. point of view character. Uh, I love Axel so much. He's my favorite. I was just looking at that, like so many characters. Obviously this is what it's all building up to. It's like everyone together and they're all in the same team. And now I'm like, where do we go from here? Like, everyone's there, they're all together, they're all hanging out. I mean, obviously, the, the setup for the next thing is Sora's going to, to get Kyrie and all that. But what about everyone else? They're all just there, and now, I don't know. <laughs> It'd be yeah. interesting. Because of they introduced some more lore and story into the mobile game Union Cross, so there are some unresolved things with uh, Ventus. So it was revealed that Ventus actually came from the Age of Fairy Tales, which is from the first Keyblade War. Right. With the Master of Masters and the Foretellers. He was one of the union leaders that replaced the Foretellers, and somehow he ended up in the present time. That has yet to be explained. And we see a hint of that in Kingdom Hearts 3, because at the ending he gets his Chirithi back, the Chirithi that was with, I guess implying that that was the same Chirithi that was talking to Sora in the la- in the final world. Right. Uh, so that's a hint of that, That because the charities were only given out by the Master of Masters to people in those unions. Wait, so there's more than one charity? Right. Every, every, every Keyblade wielder had his own charity. Okay. I know nothing about any of what you just said, so I need to go and do some research. Great. Excellent. Yeah. That's- watch... <laughs> Just watch the cutscenes on uh, Everglow's channel. Everglow uploads all the cutscenes on, on every game. Cool. Because, yeah, the, the story for Union Cross is, like, super, super convoluted. But it's definitely kind of setting up for future Kingdom Hearts games. Cool. Excellent. I'll yeah. do that. I, can, I, just, I, I just can't even, like, go into it without, like, spending, like, hours trying to unpack all the lore that's introduced in that game. Oh my. I mean, do you ever get the sense that um, Nomura is just like making stuff up as he goes along and doesn't really have a clue where it's going? Um, I mean, that's, I think that's normal for most like writers and whether it's for a game or movie or TV show. But I'm surprised at how much he seems to actually know ahead of time, more than I am by stuff that he makes up as he goes along. Like there's some stuff where he sent interviews like, oh, the way this actor portrayed this character, like, it made me kind of think that this character has something else going on, and so I I changed the character to make him more important and stuff like that. But other other things like the organization, the nobodies, it seems like he had that idea all the way back in the first game. So, I don't know, like, I think that definitely, like, when he starts, like, building on lore for characters that seemed incidental at first, He's probably like making some of that stuff up as he goes. But I think he also probably had in mind some backstories for them. Like when he creates a character, he probably has a backstory in mind. Like, okay, maybe this character is like looking for their lost sister or something like that. But maybe I'll get into that at a later date. Uh, right. So it's like, he's kind of like, maybe has like a vague backstory in mind. And then as the character continues to appear more and more, 
he's like, well, maybe I can start like fleshing this out more, like actually putting in some of those ideas I had. But I don't know. That's just those are just my thoughts. Kind of trying to put myself in his shoes. Sweet. I appreciate that. Is there anything else we want to chat about in terms of Kinemarsary? I might want to make a plug for my YouTube channel. I, because one thing that annoyed me a lot about Kingdom Hearts 3 was just the cutscene seemed like really slow. I mean, they, they've always been kind of slow in Kingdom Hearts games, but I felt like they were unusually awkwardly paced in Kingdom Hearts 3. So what I did is I actually went, downloaded all the cutscenes, and I edited, edited them together and uploaded them to my YouTube channel, Eternity in Our Hearts. It's my YouTube channel. And yep. uh, I try to like cut out some of the unnecessary stuff like kind of stick to the main story i added more background music to some of the scenes some tracks from kingdom Hearts soundtracks some tracks from the world orchestra soundtrack and some from the disney movies i edited the cutscenes to make them faster and i actually did this for pretty much all the games it took me a while to do that <laughs> i'm sure it did but sounds awesome. uh, you know i wanted it to be with the purpose of Either you've seen the games or you haven't, or either you've played the games or you haven't played the games. I want to try to make the cutscenes as entertaining and accessible as possible. Um, That's awesome. So, you know, they're still pretty long. Like Kingdom Hearts 3, I think, takes like, I edit it down to about, I want to say, or like maybe like seven, eight hours worth of cutscenes, which is long, but it's significantly shorter than watching it unedited. <laughs> sure. So, but I tried to like kind of speed up the pace wherever I could. I would kind of speed up some of those slower moments, cutting out some of those awkward pauses and stuff. So I, I watched it recently with my sister because sometimes like I'll edit it, but I won't have time to like sit back and actually like watch it until sometime later. Cool. Um, so my sister and I went through all of the edits I made and uh, actually enjoyed it a lot more watching the edit because it felt like everything kind of moved faster like the story kept going a little bit more that sounds really fun yeah i'll totally go and watch those in my life um just one question yeah how how many of the awkward grunts did you cut out <laughs> basically you know, <laughs> oh I, no I yeah it seems like there were more of them in this game than there were in previous titles there were so many. Someone would just say something, and then everyone would just be like, hmm, hmm. Yeah. Like, oh. That's like, that's like a <laughs> One really at a time. Awesome, like, anime dub thing. Because there's always, like, this kind of, like, nonverbal, like, affirmation in Japanese. And so they try to, like, copy it in English, and it never, it rarely ever sounds good. <laughs> oh, it doesn't translate well at all. <laughs> but I, I, I think I remember I did cut out some of those, or at least I think I kind of, like, either lowered the volume on it or like muted it so it sounds a little bit more like a genuine like a subtle affirmation that you would do like in real life where it's not like a loud like hmm yeah uh-huh like it's, it's more like it's i tried to make it a little bit more subtle so it doesn't kind of sound so awkward <laughs> i think like i i'll have to go and like watch all of the cutscenes unedited and like count how many there are i'm sure there must be like 50 of them like at least <laughs> there's so many and oh my goodness i don't understand it it's so it just breaks the immersion so much seeing one at a time all of the characters go mm. you're like shut up just ah mm. <laughs> uh, oh <laughs> <laughs> oh it's excellent so funny um 
yeah no that'd be cool I'm, I'm really excited to check out your edits at some point cool that'd be fun maybe I'll <laughs> maybe I'll watch them with my brother so you can actually get the full story cool so we were gonna also talk about Frozen because that's a current thing that's happened so I haven't seen Frozen 2 but you have so what did you think about it non-spoilers yes no spoilers you know it, it wasn't as good as the first one you know I thought they had a lot of good ideas it, it seemed like they had a lot of different ideas but you could like when you're watching it you can really tell where like this was like an idea they had but they either didn't have time to fully flesh it out or they just couldn't come up with enough screen time for it. So they're right. like throwing in random stuff here and you could tell or like the, the studio mandated like we need more songs here because Let It Go was so popular so we need like more songs. This movie, there were so many songs and only I think about half of them were good. Oh, really? They were really trying to kind of cash in on the success of the first movie with the songs. It was mm. like, oh, if the songs are so popular in the first movie, we're going to have even more songs in the second movie. But it didn't feel like, they didn't all feel like they should have been there. Maybe like okay. half of them. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I was just looking on Twitter. I was, try, I was trying not to like see any spoilers whatsoever. My friend tweeted... Like, oh, it's the best Disney sequel in the last 10 years. And I was like, is that saying much? Uh, <laughs> I mean, how I many Disney think... sequels have been good? I liked I... Ralph Breaks the Internet, but I mean, it's yeah. not, it's not that great. That was a pretty good sequel. I think um, Ralph, Ralph Breaks the Internet was pretty good. I enjoyed uh, it. I love Penelope. I would love Wreck-It Ralph to be in Kingdom Hearts 4. I would love that. Yeah, they, be... I don't know. They might. They they put Wreck-It Ralph in the uh, Union yeah, Cross. Yeah, that's right. He's like a summon or something as well. Um, yeah, because he's in the Union Cross game, and supposedly all the summons that Sora uses in the game, like are, they have to like have some sort of connection to him, and so the connection is, I think, because Ventus, although he doesn't remember anymore, Ventus did go to Wreck-It Ralph's world. Yeah. Oh, cool. But they haven't they haven't shown in the Union Cross game they don't haven't actually shown Ventus go to the Wreck It Ralph World yet, I don't think. Interesting. But, but it is in the Union Cross game, which has Ventus in it. So I guess that's supposedly the connection to Sora is because Ventus was in in his heart and so he had he was able to summon Wreck It Ralph. Sweet. Not gonna lie, I like didn't use a summon in Kingdom Hearts 3 once. <laughs> I just, yeah. Didn't oh, I, use I, them. I loved uh, Simba. Simba was really good. Um, I used him a lot. And cool. uh, Wreck-It Ralph, Wreck Ralph took too long to like set up. Because oh. you have to like set up like these little like cannons kind of thing. And then you like fire them. But yeah. Simba was was a beast, literally. Cool. I, <laughs> yeah, I um, I couldn't even tell you how to use them. Like, I don't even, <laughs> I didn't use them at all. 
like I just forget that they exist. I don't know. Maybe I'll try them out on my next playthrough. Yeah, That'd I think the problem is the games are just so they're they're a little bit too easy. So like you don't you end up not needing to use all these mechanics they have access to. Like yeah. I think the difficulty curve definitely should be a little bit higher, uh, especially because yeah, the jump from proud mode to critical mode is so high. Like this, like proud mode is like just standard difficulty to me, whereas like standard is like easy. Yes. But the critical mode is so ridiculously hard. It's like I feel like there should be something in between proud and critical. If you want a little bit more of a challenge, but you don't want to like just destroy your PS4 because it's like <laughs> like because you'll be watching like like YouTubers like doing their playthroughs on critical mode and like everybody's dying in the tutorial. <laughs> like oh. I could not. I could not make it past the tutorial in critical mode. I just gave up. Yeah. I don't even think I would bother. Because <laughs> I'm bad at games. I don't know if you've noticed. Um, but yeah, so... I've not seen Frozen 2. But um, I like Frozen 1 a lot. It's good. Although I I will say, like... I think a lot of people went through a phase of like hating it for a while. Because it was just everywhere. And it still... Yeah. It's even, like three weeks ago before Frozen 2 even hit the cinemas, like all the merch was already out. Um, mm-hmm. te- Tesco's is selling Frozen 2 advent calendars for £18. I'm like, who is paying £18 for a Frozen advent calendar? Not me! Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so I think it, it's weird. It's, it's like hyper hyper transmediality. So which is a media term that refers to world building across lots of different platforms mm. because you've got the movie and then like the soundtrack and then the merchandise and it's just I think in a lot of ways in some contexts like I think Marvel's a really good example of like the TV shows and the movies and they're all like working together in like the comics and everything and they're all like building the world across different different media like platforms platforms. however like they seem to care more about the storytelling whereas like in in frozen's case it's just like a big old cash cow which is not to say that i don't enjoy the first movie because i rewatched it at the start of this year and i realized like how much i actually enjoy it but it was just because let it go was everywhere and all that so yeah, I was I, really I was enjoyed. over it for a while. Yeah. Sorry, what were you gonna say? Yeah, I really sorry. I really enjoyed Frozen when I first saw it, and I think because I saw it right when it came out, so like the hype hadn't quite caught up to it yet. It was yes. like I think the hype started like like a week or two after it came out. So I saw it like on opening day, I think, or opening weekend, and I was like surprised that it was like a really good movie because you know Disney hadn't had a lot of really good movies recently like they had kind of started like with tangled and then wreck it ralph so i was like okay disney started to come up but let's see if they can keep the trend and then frozen was really good i was like oh yeah this is it's a really good movie so i never really hated frozen but i did get kind of annoyed at like i was like okay like it is a good movie but come on guys like like calm down (laughs) 
I think the difference between Frozen and like Tangled and also Wreck-It Ralph to the same extent, I think, is like I think Tangled stands on its own without having like things that are just clearly for kids like Olaf just being chucked in there and being you know this big um big like comedy element I mean you've got like Max I guess but um he's like a serious character in some ways like he's not just like he is played for laughs but also like his relationship with um with Eugene is like really interesting and that's like developed over the course of the movie and stuff which I think is cool so I don't know I think that's what makes me enjoy Tangled and Wreck-It Ralph more for those reasons is I don't think that there's like anything that's explicitly like shoved down kids throats like this is for you to enjoy specifically I don't know like I'm not saying that adults can't enjoy Olaf yeah yeah I don't know that's my thoughts that's my take but no my 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 favorite ship is Rapunzel with Hiccup from Head Chain Dragon. Yeah, I ship them so hard. <laughs> no. I also love Zachary Levi, like he's great. And I love everything he's ever done. Shazam is amazing. Have you have you seen it? Have I seen what? Shazam. Did you see Shazam? the movie? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I lo- uh, that was a great movie. I lo- liked it. So like, excellent. Yeah, that yeah. was another like surprisingly good movie. I need to watch that again, actually. So before we move on, um, I want to kind of run uh, a theory by you. Now that oh, yes, finished, I'm so excited. I finished Kingdom Hearts 3. So when I was re-watching uh, the cutscenes that I had edited, uh, well, first, I was remembering that Nomura had said in an interview that, like, the third Pirates movie was, like, one of his favorite movies. You know, <laughs> which is funny because, like, it's also like one of the most hated pirates movies by most people. Because well, the like, first one, the first one is is a great movie, but the, the third, the second two, were just like, uh, like kind of like what we were talking about earlier. Like they're kind of cash grabs, like trying to cash in on success of the first movie. Mm. Like, oh, this movie was so popular. Let's make it even bigger and even more Johnny Depp and even more convoluted. And yeah. It, it just did not work. But I can kind of see why Nomura likes them, considering how convoluted his stories are. I, w- I wonder if he, like, he just likes convoluted stories. So, like, the whole... And also, like, Pirates has its own set of trio. It's its own trio. It's got Johnny Depp, um, or Jack Sparrow, uh, William Turner, and Elizabeth. They're kind of like the trio of the first movie. And... You- they you also, could just call them Johnny Depp, Orlando, and Kira. <laughs> <laughs> and they also have their own kind of tragic ending at the end of the third movie where, mm-hmm. where Will has to... He basically dies, and he, and then he, but he can only live as like the captain of the... What's it? The, uh, the Dutchman? Yeah, the Flying Dutchman. Yes. He can only see Elizabeth like one day a year or something like that. Where it's like a really like like frustratingly sad ending like mm. and totally not as romantic as i think they were going for <laughs> but, <laughs> um yeah I, I can kind of see nomura like liking that 
like maybe even being inspiration for like some of the tragic endings of some of his trios in the Kingdom Hearts story. But also like, okay, so in the game, he winds up in the Pirates world uh, like at the beginning of kind of the third movie where they're in Davy Jones' locker, which is basically they're like in the realm of the dead, right? They're all dead. I've got to be honest. I haven't seen the Pirates movies for like a long time. So. Yeah, I haven't seen them in a while either, like since they came out. But I just, I remember that part that they were, that, jo- that uh, Jack Sparrow died, mm-hmm. eaten by a Kraken. And so they go to Jay Reno's locker to bring him back to life, basically. Gotcha. Uh, but I was thinking, my theory is that that movie actually inspired Sora's journey in this movie. I mean, in this game, in Kingdom mm-hmm. Hearts. Because Sora, I think it also foreshadowed the end. Because Sora, they all die at the end, basically. But Sora is the power of waking to bring them all back to life. And then again, at the end, Kairi dies. And so he used the power of waking to go and save her. Yep. And then he ends up disappearing uh, in the final scene. And so, I'm like, where'd he go? <laughs> so it's like a similar like tragic ending for him. Like, doesn't get to be with with the girl that he's finally kind of implies that he's finally expressed his feelings towards her. Well, I mean, they've kind of like they never really hit it, but they've they've just been like slowly progressing in their relationship, and it seems like they were gonna like lean over to kiss each other, and then like he just disappears. Like, boom, he's gone. Yeah. And Real so. sad, guys. Um, although, I gotta be honest, like, I don't really care about Carrie that much. <laughs> like, I care about her for Sora's sake. <laughs> but um, not really in her own right. But yeah, no, it, it is frustrating. I'm like, no, you went through all that and she's still gone. Ugh. But um, but also like they gotta, they gotta set up the next game. Um, but no, that's really interesting, and I wonder. I mean, I suppose it might be coincidental, but also it, like, it does really mirror yeah. his journey as well. So that, and I do think, as well, because I thought you were gonna say something about um, the box that they're looking for the whole time. Maleficent and Pete are like walking around trying to find the box and then they find the one that's got Davy Jones' heart in it and all that stuff. Um, but that doesn't really like come to anything. I kind of wonder what that whole deal is about because it didn't really seem resolved. But um, Yeah, you, you need to watch uh, the epilogue uh, after the credits. Oh, yes. I didn't finish. I would have sat through and watched the whole credits and then the last part um, but then I had to go out last night, so I didn't have time, which was really annoying. So I would do that later. Cool. Yeah, I mean, so like, it's you know, it's kind of twofold. One that you know, Nomura openly admits to really liking the those pirates movies. So like, I'm thinking that might have inspired some of the story elements from Kingdom Hearts, but I think he also used it in game to foreshadow what Sora was going to do uh, at the end of the game. That's so fun. 
Very interesting. Yeah, I wish I had a theory, but I am bad at theories. <laughs> no, I like talking about other people's theories, but I'm horrible at coming up with them. Yeah, no, you, you really have to like delve pretty deep into the lore to like really, you got to really pay close attention to come up with a good theory. I'm objectively <laughs> not a good media grad, but that's fine. <laughs> so, do you want to go ahead and move into talking about uh, some spiritual themes? Yes, let's do it. Cool. So, when I was playing it last night, Zayanort said this interesting thing about how before the world began, everything was in darkness. Um, it was kind of like a Thanos moment because he was saying that then the light came from the darkness and then to darkness the world's going to return. So when he, you know, calls upon Kingdom Hearts to like, whatever his whole plan is, <laughs> um, he's going to plunge the world into darkness again and then like start over. So that was interesting. And it made me think, I guess, about like creation, but also like the light coming into the world being Jesus. But then at the end of all things, you know, God is going to wrap up this universe like a scroll and then there'll be the new creation. So that was fascinating. Yeah. I don't know how intentional that is, or maybe it's just something that's really archetypal but it kind of transcends across different cultures. But mm -hmm. yeah, like definitely you see that in scripture that even the first verses of Genesis says the world was formless and void and darkness was over the surface uh, of the deep. Mm. Yeah, formless and void. Yeah, it, I think I might be misquoting a little bit, but... No, it sounds right. Until God says what there be like. Yeah, it was dark. <laughs> And void, there was just water, and the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters. And then God says, let there be light, and there was light. So, and when God speaks, it's Jesus, because Jesus is the word, and that makes me so excited. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I love that kind of, that kind of reveal in the Gospel of John. It's like, we've had the word of God there all along, and then it's revealed it's, it, was, it was Christ. But... So cool. Yeah, it seems like the default state of things apart from God is darkness and chaos. It's kind mm. of like darkness is is not really a thing. It's just the absence of light. So darkness is like the default state until light is introduced, right? And mm -hmm. then like in the end in Revelation, we see that the light of the world is literally Jesus. Like He's not just like the metaphorical light. It says that they don't need the light of the sun or the moon because the lamb, being Jesus, is a light. Hallelujah. Which makes me think of like, because people always ask, like people who don't believe in like a literal six-day creation, they say, well, if, if the creation is six real days, then how come there was light before there was a sun and a moon? Because those weren't made until like the fourth day. But then it says there was light on the first day. But I think it's answered in Revelation because in Revelation it says that the light came from Jesus. It didn't come, doesn't need to come from 
the sun, the moon. So that's so God, cool. I've never God thought was of there. that. God was there on the first day, so I would assume the light came from Him. Mm-hmm. And then also because a lot of people in that same vein don't believe that, like, like they think that Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden was like all allegorical, and I'm like. But then Jesus himself in the Gospels talks about, like, the first Adam as being a real person. So, yeah. Because he's the second Adam. Yeah. Definitely. So, yeah, that kind of, kind of shoots kind of, that theory down. Yeah, it kind of screws up the whole theology. You have to kind of do a lot of mental contortions to kind of make it all fit. But, but yeah, definitely... Those scenes of light and dark. And then something that stood out to me, like, because technically, from a Christian worldview, what Xehanort says at the end is kind of right. Like, darkness has, in reality, like, infected the world, so to speak. And the only way to fix it is to start over, and which is what Christ does in Revelation, that he destroys the world and, and remakes it as a new heavens and a new earth. Um, but, but and, and Xehanort even points out, he says, there needs to be somebody to step in and lead. Like, someone has to step in and lead. But then I love Sora's answer to him. Sora says, you're not that person. He didn't say who that person is, but he just says, it's, it's not you, Xehanort. Like, you... It's almost like Xehanort's got this kind of God complex, like he's going to be the one, the savior who's going to fix the whole world. And to him, the ends justify the means that whatever he, whatever evil dark means he needs to use to get there, he'll do it because his end justifies everything he's doing to him. But yeah. Sora's saying, no, you're, you're not God. You can't, you don't have the authority to use whatever means you can to accomplish your your end goal, no matter how good it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're saying, you know, you're not God. You can't you can't just remake the world. Like you don't have that authority. So I thought that was kind of cool, and and I think it's cool that as Christians we know that we do have that leader. We have the one who does have the authority to do that. And he is sovereign over both the ends and the means to accomplish those things. Whereas we as humans are not, because our sight is limited to our experiences, whereas God is not limited by time and space. And so being infinitely wise and infinitely he's the only one who is justified in both the means and the ends of what he wants to accomplish. For sure. Love that thought. No, it's really cool. Actually, I forgot, like, when Sora says that. That was a really cool moment. I was like, you know, it's it it kind of flips the whole um, Thanos thing on its head because, like, my brother was in the room and he was like, oh, this is just like Thanos, but, like, more poorly thought out. I'm like, well, no, because, you know, the Avengers are all like, you're crazy. Your plan 
is insane makes no sense. And then Sora's like, well, do you know what? Like, I get it. I get you. But also, no. <laughs> it was a more of a nuanced response. And that was cool. I enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah. Because he, um, he doesn't say he's wrong. It's like he implicitly acknowledges that, yeah, actually, you're kind of right. Like, but you're not the person to do that. Yeah. No, that was really cool. I really enjoyed that a lot. And... Yeah, uh, but I also think that Zaynart's like character at the very end, like when Ericus comes back, and they sort of go off together, that was cool. It's like I guess he's been redeemed a little bit. That was fun. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a nice ending for Zaynart. I think you've kind of grown to be a little more sympathetic to him over yeah. over the years. Although, Although still, I... what he did to Tara was pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty horrible. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, I don't really care about Tara that much. But yeah, that wasn't great. Um, <laughs> but uh, I do. I'm, I was really annoyed afterwards because obviously, like, Ericus is in the whole like opening when they're playing chess together and all that. And so I really should have seen it coming that he would come back at the end, but I was actually so surprised. And then I was like, this isn't even really a spoiler. Like, he was there all along. I was so... Yeah. I was really well, frustrated. Was... I was like, how did I not know that this was going to happen? But there was also a really a really brief scene in, in one of the endings in Birth by Sleep that... It was actually pretty easy to miss because I forgot about it for a while until I rewatched it. That it very briefly shows that they or uh, not there, uh, Ericus had like essentially like transferred his heart into Terra right when he died. Because there was a scene where at the end of Birth by Sleep, where Terra and Xehanort are like fighting over his body. Like control over his body, they're like they're like debating each other, and, right. and Eris telling him like, "Yeah, you'll you'll never win full control." And he said he says something along the lines of like, "I have someone like to help me," and then Zaynor just gives him this look, and he goes, "Oh, I see." He's like, "You slyx," which is what he always calls Ericus. So, it very subtly. It, implying that Ericus hid himself inside of uh, terror right, right when he died. So yeah. that was, yeah, that was a cool payoff at the end. It was like, oh, yeah, I've been here this whole time. <laughs> awesome. I have no recollection of that. <laughs> um, but yeah, cool. That is awesome. Fun! Alright. Is there anything yeah, else you want to so talk about? I think we're good for now. But yeah, definitely glad you finally finished Kingdom Hearts 3. Um, <laughs> you and me both, my friend. <laughs> it took me so long. I did it. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, just uh, definitely be sure, listeners, to uh, um, check us out. Hopefully, we'll have some social media stuff put up and uh, uh, links to our channels and, and so forth. But, yeah, uh, until next time, uh, I'm David. I'm Karis. And. and this is Kingdom Minds. See you next time. Bye.